Welcome back, minions, to another episode of Cake and Kombucha. <laughs> should I say ho, ho, ho? Welcome back, boys and girls. Oh, that's turned into kind of a Mickey Mouse. Oh, boys and girls. Um, but welcome. This is going to be a special vacation break not working time, hiding out episode of Cake and Kombucha. It's right after the holiday. I'm sure y'all are still just eating sweet potato pie, catching up with loved ones. For those of you who had to go back to work already, I'm sorry to this man. And for the rest of you, I just had a few little thoughts to share. It's been kind of a slow week for news. And by slow, I mean I haven't been paying attention. But I had a few heinous things come across my timeline on Twitter, so I thought we'd discuss that. But for the most part, I just want to keep it chill and give you a little cute sound bite for while you're showering or something, something quick. Chill and quick, famous last words. Is it me that I love? I'm here in North Carolina for the holiday. That's where my mother lives, as well as my aunt, uncle, cousin, her cousin's husband, adorable baby cousin. So it's been lovely. Um, my siblings came down here, those of us that could be here to celebrate too. And it's just been really nice. Um, I looked through photo albums that my dear late grandmother, who was just an amazing, amazing, unparalleled human being, she put together at least 100 photo albums and she labeled the back of everything. And I found out that the first year of my life, which I wasn't really aware of, was just completely documented. On the back of these photos, it's like, Kalechi, one and three-fourths months old, six months and a quarter month. I was just like, you go ahead. And it was so nice to see pictures of me and remember the good memories because the holidays is a hard time for a lot of people who have lost a lot of people. My family really has gone through giant family transformations. You know, down here is not even where I grew up or have any childhood memories, but it's, it's, I don't know. I felt like it was kind of communing with your ancestors to see that you were thought of and planned for and accounted for, even in a way that you didn't necessarily know. Like, I obviously remember, you know, from the time I'm like three, four years old on, I do know I remember farther back than some people. So I have, I look at, realize, cross-referencing that some memories I have are from when I was a toddler, but I don't remember, obviously, like the first year of my life. So it was just very comforting. I felt like, wow, I felt like I was seeing her and I was like, I haven't seen you in a long time. And it was nice to just, it was like getting a hug. It was like getting a hug from someone you love that you haven't seen in a long time. So that was really special for me. It's something I'm going to hold on to and that I've been talking with my sister about how we, what do we need to do to, to save our memories for our generation? Because what if Facebook is bought by China and they censor half of our pictures? Or what if the internet collapses because the sun stops rotating and we stop getting rain for our crops? You know, just to throw in a regular combination of all the dystopian science fiction novels and movies that you've read or seen in your whole lifetime. What if those things happen and we don't have all the virtual things, you know? So 
it makes you wonder, do we need to start printing out things and doing better record keeping for the generations to come after us? Something to think about. But I've had a good time. I made my first cake from scratch in my whole life. I love to cook. I'm a pretty good cook, as those who know me know I can whip up a few things. However, um, I never made a cake. So I saw this recipe in the New York Times cooking section, which has the most enticing pictures. And they have almost got me to pay money because you click on it once, it shows you the full recipe. But when you want to go back to it, it asks you to subscribe. And I mean, I tried to hit it with every different browser I had, and they knew it was me. They're like, excuse me, bitch, bitch, we have your IP address. Don't try us. So I had to have my aunt. I went down the street to borrow a, uh, see, and I don't know what it's called. It's not a blender. It's the mixing thing. It's the mixing thing which you put the bowl on, and it mixes electronically. Beater? You know, I don't know. I'm not ashamed. I'm not editing this out. I forgot what it's called. The thing that you need when you have to, you know, make a cake and beat eggs and stuff. Not the hand mixer, the other one. So I went and borrowed that from her. She she quickly logged on to the website and then printed it out for me because she hadn't, you know, she hadn't clicked on it yet. So it didn't recognize her that first time. Excuse me. So she was able to print it out and... Anyway, to backtrack, I was inspired because of this beautiful picture of a rainbow sprinkle cake. And someone else asked me, is this just funfetti? And I was like, how dare you? Like, let's not, it's not funfetti. It's a rainbow sprinkle cake. It was so pretty. And I was just inspired to make it. And then I looked at the, the icing looked legit. It was a cream cheese frosting. Um, I don't know. I just, I like vanilla things. I've always been that girl I love a birthday cake flavored item with some rainbow sprinkles on it. I love vanilla. I don't, I'm just not into like chocolate cake and stuff. So I was like, let me make this cake. I made it. It came out really delicious. The crumb texture was something that I really like. It, the icing was fantastic. You have to keep it in the freezer or in the fridge or it will like start to melt since it had cream cheese. It was extremely rich. You could only have like a little slice at a time, a tiny slice. And here's what I discovered. Cake is unhealthy. Wait, stay with me. Stay with me. Okay. So if you're an American woman of a certain age from a certain type of household environment, you have viewed like all so many foods as naughty that they all kind of blend together, right? Toast is naughty. Beans can have too many carbs. I mean, things like that. Like everything, grapes could be off limits. And you know, that wasn't helped by me being an all or nothing type person, which I am and I'm working on. So I never spent a lot of time thinking about the difference between grapes and cake or a cookie and cake. I was just like, eh, it's on the list. We're not eating it right now. Cut to me actually making this cake and I never knew what was in cake, you know, like you're eating something that's solid, that has a fluffy, creamy, decorative icing on top, right? So I thought most of cake was flour. I thought that's, you know, how you got it eight by eight, you know, four to four to five inch high, you know, mound of fluffy, something that's edible, right? I thought it was flour. 
to my dismay and horror, now not enough horror that I didn't eat the cake, um, you know, solidly have some every day since Christmas and it's finally gone. But to my dismay and horror, there's almost equal parts sugar and flour in cake, or at least in this cake. I think there was a cup and a third of sugar and like a cup and a fourth of flour. Wait, that's more flour. So reverse that. A little more than a cup of sugar and a little more than a cup of flour. I I was really shocked, y'all. I did not know that it was equal parts. I did not. I, I so so that means like you're like chewing on sugar. From a dental aspect, I wasn't very comfortable with that. I'm I'm still not very comfortable with that. And so, I feel like this journey kind of mirrors so many other journeys I'm undertaking this year and this past year or so. Whereas I'm realizing and learning the reasons to do things that are my own, not because other people told me. I'm coming to my own. I'm discovering the kind of relationship I want to have with art, the kind of relationship I want to have with my body, everything like that. And I feel like I just realized that I don't want to eat cake anymore, not because it's going to make me fat. I already, I already am fat. Because I don't want to eat sugar. I don't want to chew through sugar. I don't want to chew through sugar. And I just find that unappealing. And now I know that next time I want to have a, a sweet or a cheat, I can make an informed decision that, you know, a small cookie might be better. Or I'm not going to say something ignorant like some fruit, because, bitch, if you want fruit, you would eat fruit. And if you want something else, if you want a baked good, a baked good is not fruit. Fruit is not a baked good. But you know what I mean? Like, I was just like, okay. So now I don't have to have someone telling me, you can't have this, you can't have that, you can't, you know, this is bad for you, this is bad for you. I personally just choose not to have cake as a default, you know, treat. And that's to say that it usually is a default because, you know, it involves a fork and it's a whole production, but even cupcakes, which is cupcakes in a cup. I'm like, yeah, nah, man, nah, let me... No, but I, I feel like it's for the right reason. I just happen to be a little surprised that the substantive part of a cake is the butter too, butter, a whole stick of butter too, and the, and the sugar. Like I just thought it would be mostly flour and then you're like sweetening the flour. I didn't think you're mixing sugar and flour together and creating a chemical reaction that becomes fluffy such that you are chewing into the sugar. If everyone else already knew this, that's okay. We all learn at different paces. I don't really ask you to judge me for any of your judgment. And if this is boring, fast forward. Okay, I didn't ask you. I'm just saying, I feel like there's some of us that may not bake that didn't know that. But I just think like, yeah. And this is not to cake shame anyone, okay? This is just about doing what feels good to you. And, you know, doing things from positive motivation instead of fear, like, oh my gosh, if I eat a slice of cake, I'm going to get wheeled into heaven on a stretcher and Jesus is going to tell me I'm lazy and do some stretches. You know, we take the, I don't, because I really do want to emphasize that I really reject the whole good and bad categories of food now. Like, I don't do that anymore. This is good. This is bad. I don't believe in that. I don't believe we should all walk around being like, I did so bad. I like enjoyed a thing. I'm so bad. <laughs> like you want to be bad? Let's commit some real crimes, bitch. Let's commit some real crimes. Or not. Um, but I just think that I now realize cake is something I should have 
um, less frequently, like less frequently than I was, which is not to say that I had it all the time, but maybe like a couple times a month. And I just don't want to do that anymore. I don't, I don't feel the need. Cause I do think about sugar. Like I am getting older and I think that sugar intake, I mean, to be honest, I, I'm really trying to figure out what sugar intake does to me, um, gastrointestinally because I have GI issues and I have never, I've done some elimination diets before, but again, they were always with the added benefit of thinking I was going to lose a bunch of weight. I never really have been under the guidance of a doctor and said, this is our plan. We're going to figure out what it really is that messes with you and causes all your problems. And I have some ideas and I have some observations of how I act when I eat more sugar and when I don't. And so I'm just thinking it's time to do the thing to help me feel better health-wise. So that's that. Um, That's my magical Christmas miracle of common sense. But common sense isn't common, and sometimes you have to find your own foundation. So, yeah. Now, I'm headed over to my aunt and uncle's house down the street, and I've been notified that someone sent them a lemon vodka pound cake. Don't be crazy and think I won't be eating that. Okay, so... I don't want to have to name this podcast after Lizzo, but there's been more drama with her this weekend. That was really arbitrary. It wasn't this weekend. It was last weekend. Eh, It was kind of midweek. Anyway, as you might know, Lizzo was a musical guest on SNL on the legendary, already legendary episode that featured Eddie Murphy. It was Eddie Murphy's first time hosting in, I believe, 30 years. Um, As you know, he was a cast member. He left abruptly. He's kind of a mysterious, super talented person that abandoned the business after he got really famous. Anyway, so we we stand for a mysterious uh, celebrity. We love that hard to get. Um, but the episode was, I mean, immediately rated the highest of any SNL episode in years um, to celebrate a star of his magnitude coming back. A lot of past SNL stars came back, so that was awesome anyway. And then Lizzo, who is the entertainer of the year. So you have to go watch the episode. It was hysterical. I loved it. Um, Eddie Murphy was is so brilliant, so funny. But also, like, no one was perfect, which I really loved. Like, my faves all kind of made mistakes. And it just showed you, like, things are live. Things happen. You roll with it. And it doesn't mean you're not brilliant. So for a perfectionist like me, it was cool to see people I really admire just be like, well, I mean, how many times do you have to go over this? So... We don't have this eight count intro into the songwriter or whatever, but it doesn't matter because everyone's having a good time. Everyone is laughing. The skit is not lost. It was a great thing to see. So Lizzo's performances, first of all, let me just say, were both amazing. Not only were they, was the staging and choreography, it was just an all-encompassing great show, which a lot of people who go on SNL, all shade, no shade, all shade intended, they don't bother. They just have their one instrument, they lip sync, they're not really playing the instrument. It's like, it's almost like a facsimile or a, a hologram of what they're really supposed to be doing. And I, I don't get it, but I never knew if like something about the stage lent itself to that or what, but it's a thing. Like, I feel like the musical guests are not great on that show. And I don't mean the people, I mean the, it just seemed like the environment doesn't lend itself to a good performance somehow. I don't know if they don't get enough time to sound check 
or yeah, some kind of restrictions or just limitations of the setting. Like I really wondered what it was because I mean, the same artists that are good artists, they just don't often sound great when they're there. So you compare Lizzo to that. It was like night and day. She was singing live. And I love when I hear someone singing live, but I can hear that their breath support is working because they're in a live human being. So she wasn't like out of breath, but she was breathing. I mean, she's singing live. She's blowing. She sounded great. She had these great little mini interludes in her songs, which lets me know that when I go see her, much like a Beyonce concert, she has like the best of music directing. She has people that are cutting and chopping and screwing and making her music into something else, which is kind of sad if you think about it. I don't like how we have to have a watered-down version of everything for the radio. And then when you get to these people's concerts, it's full orchestration, just magic, musical magic, but that's that's what that was. Um, she had an all-black um, band, a black female band, like B, like Wimby also. Um, there was a lady who was her guitarist who had the same guitar style as Rosetta Thorpe and was wearing a long coat like Rosetta Thorpe. Rosetta Thorpe was a famous guitar playing, gospel guitar playing black woman, a badass rock star because, you know, that's where rock and roll came from. And it was just solid. And she had vocals. She was blowing. The, the bitch can hold a note for like a long time. Okay. So it was just really, really good. Very excited, very proud of her. And she looked amazing. She was wearing a Gucci Dapper Dan collaboration and another thing I love for her is that we had stars that, you know, you let don't get bigger than a size eight because they're like, oh, I can't get the designers to dress me or whatever. But the bitch has been having couture, um, couture houses dress her. And it's not moral. Like it kind of means, well, you know, hey, fat bitch, you weren't famous enough. But Lizzo is. So when a, when a big woman actually gets significant enough, then we'll roll out that extra yard of fabric. Because what the hell? Like, really? Sample sizes really came from you just being cheap? Like, has, has anyone ever thought about that? That our beauty standard is based on whether you can fit into a small amount of fabric because someone was making like doll model clothes before they, you know, create a whole collection and send it to like a department store or a boutique or whatever, depending on the, the value of the brand. It's kind of arbitrary, right? Yeah. There's a lot of arbitrary things in women's lives that we kill ourselves to attain. So I hope my podcast can start to be something that rails against that for the new year. I'm going to be more open about my struggles and my things that I've gone through um, with body image and how it interrelates with media because I feel like I have my own image I want to protect too. You know, I sit here behind the camera, I mean, behind the microphone, and you don't get to see, you know, how chunky I am and how much water I'm retaining on one day to the next. But I go th- I've gone through my own struggles with weight and I want to share that and also empower people who don't feel empowered to set down, set down that dishonorable load, okay? And it's not something that I hope to be obsessed with for the rest of my life and it's not something that I want my fellow women to be obsessed with for the rest of their lives. So I'm in it with you. I care some days and I don't care the next. And I just want to be real about that and share that. And I want to have a mission statement where I not only talk peak shit on this podcast, but where I help people too. So if anything I ever say resonates or gives you some freedom or clarity to be like, hey, someone else feels like that too, let me know or don't let me know. Keep it to yourself because we all have, you know, our own journey to go through. But I mean, I would prefer if you let me know. 
Um, anyway, so that's why Lizzo was trending because again, she killed something again. So what's the next thing that happens? Major, major detractors. So, um, Dr. Boyce Watkins, who is a name kind of in my, you know, peripheral, peripheral brain vision because it's just a clown. Like he hasn't really done anything. He's a kind of, um, pseudo intellectual, Perhaps his PhD is fake. He's certainly not a medical doctor. Hotep figure that I guess his platform is like wealth building for the black community. Uh, but I mean, it seems to be more of just taking down black women and insulting them and and um, being a, a clown. I went to his Wikipedia page, which, yes, I know is not a recognized source that you can use in a paper at school, but um, let's not pretend we don't use it. So I went to, um, but, it, you know, it yielded me some very interesting results because his page has so many warnings on it that I have to admit, I've never seen this many. Um, it says the biography needs additional citations for verifications. And I mean, okay, so Wikipedia, not a source in school, right? But if someone has citations, you can click on them and see that it really goes to this real journal and stuff. So at least someone has collated a lot of information in one place for you and then you can verify it, right? But if you don't have any citations, like what is this? So he has no citations for verification. And then it said, I've never seen this one before. A major contributor to this article appears to have a close connection with this subject, which I interpret to mean, hey, bitch face, stop writing about yourself and get a life. Um, he's definitely writing. He definitely wrote this. It's not objective. It's like contains like the opinions of it's like it's an excerpt from an autobiography or something. You know, it says Watkins mother encouraged her children to be the best they could be at anything they did. Watkins' adopted father was a tough, stern head of the household. Those are just adjectives that are not facts. Like, it's supposed to be like, his mother was born in 19, you know, 35, and then she, it's not supposed to say, like, her favorite color was blue. Sometimes on a cold winter's night, she'd pour some extra vodka into the eggnog and sip it in front of the fire and say, Lord, have mercy, free and let. Like, I don't, it's not supposed to be like that. Um, so this is nonsense. His career, uh, he has an ongoing feud with Bill O'Reilly, apparently. I don't know why. They're all both sides of the same, they're, 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 they're both sides. Is that the phrase? Two sides of the same coin. These niggas are two sides of the same coin. So hoteps are just extremist black people, but they hate women and they like hate gay people. So they're kind of just, to me, like you might as well just be Bill O'Reilly, Bill O'Reilly's like, I don't know, long lost cousin. Like, I just don't understand why women have to suffer with throughout all these movements. It always has to come back to us, you know, being scapegoated for some weird sexual obsession that you have or for us getting too powerful. Anyway, this is a highly inconsistent person, Dr. Boyce Watkins, because I'm reading the stuff that he chose to put on his dumb Wikipedia page. He says he has been highly critical of hip hop. He positioned, he said that Lil Wayne has positioned himself as an enemy of the black community who can be linked to the Holocaust occurring within the black community today. He said the BT has an agenda similar to the Ku Klux Klan. Um, he said that, what else did he do? He criticized 
Mountain Dew for the most racist commercial in history. I don't know which commercial that was. But let's go to, he had a fight. He um, called out Bill O'Reilly, which, like, I'm sure he's not the only one. I forgot Bill O'Reilly's dumbass said this, but in 2008, white people, get your white people, as one of my favorite comedians used to say. White people, get your white people. Because Bill O'Reilly said in 2008, I don't want to go on a lynching party against Michelle Obama unless there's evidence, hard facts, that this is how the woman really feels. That was in response for her saying that this is the first time she was proud of America. Um, like who in the actual fuck? So like white people really y'all just talk about lynching people. Like it's not all, but I mean, there's contingents of you that say the word lynching in the same sentence as with a black person and don't think, and this bitch said, I'm sorry if my statement offended anybody, but hold on to that. Cause it's like peak racism, right? And Bill O'Reilly is the enemy. So now we're going to contrast with that. Contrast that with what uh, Dr. Boyce Watkins, and I say doctor with heavy, heavy, heavy quotation marks. They're not air quotation marks. These are lead metal quotation marks, sinking anvils of quotation marks, sinking into the bottom of the ocean, okay? Those quotation marks are on doctor. Contrast that with what he said about um, Lizzo. He said that he tweeted a picture of her and said the only reason that Lizzo is popular is because there's an obesity epidemic in America and she is contributing to the death and the heart disease and the diabetes of, you know, millions of people. Then he went on to, to, uh, juxtapose, like he edited together a picture of Aunt Jemima with Lizzo and said, she's a mammy. Yeah. So there's so much. There's so much. First, let's go to the whole idea. Let's start with the mammy thing because it's really weird. Um, a mammy, as most of you know, is a stereotype for a black woman who was a slave who, you know, in slavery, their black women had to be wet nurses, had to raise and rear and take care of their slave master's children. And so it became this trope of an overweight black woman that was kind of sexually neutral, devoid of sexuality, devoid of goals, aspirations, any interests of her own except for taking care of this um, the, the, the white children that she was rearing. These, these images, these tropes, um, these characters like Jim Crow... The Dandy, um, not sorry, not Jim Crow, Zip Coon, Dandy, Jezebel, Mammy. These were figures in in vaudeville, which is the foundation of American theater was vaudeville and blackface minstrelsy, which, as you know, both uh, white performers blacked up, put burnt cork on their faces in grotesque, grotesque de- depictions and characterizations of of black people, but also um, this is where Stephen Foster, one of the most famous American composers of all time, had a, a huge canon of music like uh, uh, Camp Down Lady sing that song, do-da, do-da, or way down upon the Swanee River, like all that stuff. Those are called coon songs, actually, as they came to be called. And that those these this whole propaganda was showing an idyllic image of the South where lazy, 
happy Negroes that were that needed the guidance of their white slave masters lived happily on the plantation. It was propaganda, it's hateful, you know, theater it has political, it's never not been political, and that was a theater that was being made to support slavery. Um, so then ask yourself, if a mammy is not a real thing, it's a character, it's a trope made up by racism and white supremacy, how could Lizzo be a mammy? Was he later tweeted, she is a mammy. How can... So which came first? Like, is, is the white supremacy get started because black people suck? Like, because you're, what you're saying by that is that it's not a pejorative name that someone made up. There actually were, like, mammies walking around. It's like a species, and they just got properly named, and Lizzo is one of them. This is how the self-hatred that some black people have, and the hatred for women, which when you, you know, we call hatred... And black women, there's a new term for it called misogynoir. But really, I mean, you hate women, especially like in any culture, women are hated. So this is how it gets twisted up because I don't understand how you, you're anti-racist, right? And you're railing against Rush Limbaugh and Bill O'Reilly, but then you're going to call Lizzo a mammy. And hold that thought because it leads into another term that I want to get into, bed wench. So, you know me, I waded into the fray. I couldn't help myself. And I kind of knew that I was putting myself on the line too because I have gained a lot of weight recently in the past two years and I have pictures of myself the way I currently look now on my Twitter, which I actually forgot. It was actually like a big deal for me to... If you guys don't know, I did a parody video where I parodied The Little Mermaid because... um, of the casting of Black Ariel coming out and people losing their minds. So I did a part of your world called Part of Your Blackity Ass World. And I was wearing like a bikini top and living my best life in my mermaid blanket. So pictures of that, stills from that shoot are on my Twitter account. Um, Because I was just like, you know what? I have to be, I can't, I have to walk the walk. I have to at least try to walk the walk, you know? Who you are is who you are. We don't always look the same. We don't always look the way we did when we used to work out every single day and do a show eight, eight days a week and workouts sometimes before and after on a two show day and monitor everything we ate and eat very low calories. Like that's not something you can maintain for your whole life. So while I'm figuring it out, figuring out how I'm going to live, what I'm going to do, what I'm going to eat, eating things because of I'm hungry and not because I'm like scared. I'm going to be fat as if, you know, being fat is the worst thing in the world. I gained some fucking weight and I'm kind of cool with it right now because it just, it like needed to happen. I needed to stop focusing all of my mental energy on dieting. And so there's a lot more I can say about that. I could do a whole episode about that if you're interested. But in any case, that's who I am now. So I know me defending Lizzo. It's like, oh, you couldn't be defending Lizzo because it's a stupid premise that people like a woman because she's obese versus they like her because she's a talented and entertaining musician and like pop culture figure. But no, it's because I'm fat. So Immediately when I told, I mean, I did I, first of all, let me, first of all, Dr. Boyce Watkin was also fat until mm, six months ago. What I don't like is when people get in the gym for the first time in their life and then they start beating up on everybody else. Like, I don't understand. How dare you, sir? Your head is still overweight, which I did say. I said that, but it's true. It is true. And I wasn't saying that to like be, say your head is overweight so nothing you say is of importance. I was saying that to say your head is overweight so you're a hypocrite. Why is someone who was recently fat and should be able to relate 
so mad at this woman for living, existing. So I got this troll of a like incel person started attacking me, telling me that you're a bed wench, you have bed wench hair, and you're obese. And I was like, yeah, I am obese. And sure, like I'm 700 pounds. I got to get airlifted out of bed. But no matter how fat I get, um, I'll never be so busted that I don't put a picture of my face and I have a weird little avatar. Like that's, that's not something I'm worried about. Okay. Cute. She's going to be okay. Cute. She'll be. So I, I just, it was so fascinating. So first of all, he kept criticizing my weave, even though I've had a weave one time, I've had weave one time in my life. It was for a play I did in like 2013. Um, and it was like a curly weave that people thought was my real hair. Anyway, I don't understand your point. Um, anyone who knows me knows I love synthetic hair, right? It's cheap. I can actually manipulate it to do what I want. And my hair is not black. It's like a brown color. It's like a mousy ash brown. So I find that getting a number four synthetic, I can actually blend things with my hair. Whereas I tried to get human hair clippings once and it really wasn't, really didn't work out that well because there was a big line of demarcation between my lighter hair and the darker clippings. Um, that is to say that he kept telling me, you have an Indian woman's hair in your head. And I was like, I don't, so, my no? So let's break that down. First of all, beauty standards are Eurocentric. And they have led towards hundreds of years of black women now wishing their hair grew in a downward direction and hung and swung around, which it doesn't. Most of our hair grows up in the air and it shrinks. I can stretch my hair out to pass my shoulders, but then it goes boing and shrinks up to my ear because I am an African woman. And I don't, you know, we're doing a lot of work to unpack this, but the fact of the matter is First, we felt pressure to wear our hair a certain way and straighten it to fit in with Eurocentric beauty standards. Now we're kind of at a 50-50 point where the pressure is still there. And a lot of that, the standards shift. As you know, beauty standards and pressure for women, they shift, they shift, they shift. So now it's towards a, people are killing themselves to want to have hair like Tracy Ellis Ross, which if you're not born with big bouncy curls, you're not, you can't, like you can't have them. No hair products are going to do that. So we have moved the goalpost a little bit in the natural hair community, which is sad. And again, another whole podcast episode. But the point is, we are arriving at a place where it is, our, our hair texture is known and appreciated for what it what it is, right? Like our ancestors often kept their hair braided up. And it's because Afro textured hair is very delicate. The curlier hair is, the finer it is, the more prone to breakage it is. My hair is so sensitive that if I just leave it out for a month, a month and it's like rubbing against my shoulder, the bottom of my hair is going to break from the friction of rubbing against my shoulder. That's why black women sleep on satin pillowcases, whatever. Like we know this. So now there's a big culture of protective styles, right? I discovered that when I was performing on tour in Book of Mormon, that instead of unbraiding my hair after every performance, I could just leave my hair in my two chunky pigtails and pigtail like braids, throw on a wig. And when I said throw on, I, I did. I wasn't good at wig, you know, slaying wigs back then, but whatever. I was enjoying just looking like different people. And like, I thought it was really fun. It was unlocked a new part of my personality, which is I like to be in costume and look like different people. It's fun. And then my hair grew like a fucking weed because I left it alone. And I took it out on my off days to be my crown and glory and fluffy, beautiful cloud for me. 
and it was healthy and I just wasn't unburdened by like having a salad every day. It was super convenient. So the idea that black women wear weaves and stuff because they're deficient or bald or whatever is so stupid. It's most usually the girls that are stay weaved up with a good weave that have hair down their back. My friend, like I had, I realized I hadn't seen her hair before ever. And she took it out and it was like much longer than her weave. And she's like, yeah, I work out every day. I don't want to deal with this. Um, I just feel like that is mostly common knowledge. But, and then like so many white women also wear extensions too, that I just don't understand why we are the only ones that get shit for it. But I do because racism and sexism. So again, like, that was weird to me that that was a point for him. Like, I know full well I have beautiful hair. Some of my hair is in my pictures that this person was looking at. The fact that you, uh, we got to the point where also a lot of people can't even identify what black women's hair looks like. They just never knew. So you're just any, you just tell me I'm wearing weave when I'm not. Like, okay. But what I'm trying to say is I'm not offended. Like, I don't care. Then you're telling me I'm fat. Like, I'm kind of on the low end of fat right now. What does that have to do? With, like, so what? Here's the thing that I feel like I've been emancipated from slavery from. It's not my job to not be fat for anyone's pleasure or make them comfortable. Like, I don't, it doesn't mean that you're not an idiot and that you don't live in a basement where you probably have victims whose skin you're wearing right now. Because the, I'm sure that this person that was, was coming after me who had three followers, no, he had zero followers and four people. Um, he was following. So maybe it was Dr. Boyce Watkins himself. I don't know. But he just kept telling me, like, you're a bed wench. So the bed wench thing, this is one I really don't understand. Um, so as you know, during slavery, there was a lot of rape, as goes on in periods of war and oppression and genocide. Women's bodies being violated, it's, it's just a systematic thing that happens in these in these time periods in history. So I mean, it's a reason that a lot of African-Americans are beige. It's a very sad history that we don't talk about that's blatantly obvious when you think about just everything. Like, I actually learned this weekend um, over this holiday break, I, I didn't know that we knew what plantation my mom's side of the family came from. And, like, we actually have some of that information. My aunt's been doing some really extensive genetic research. Thank you to the Mormons. Didn't think I'd be thinking for anything, but they have a family tree that's exhaustive. That's what they do. And go, go check them out for that. Um, so yeah, we're learning all kinds of crazy stuff, but anyway, in slavery, these hoteps just developed this term bedwench as a derogatory term for a woman who was kept like in the slave master's uh, quarters as a, basically a sex slave. Here's my question. What kind of what kind of disgusting piece of shit human being do you have to be to make up a derogatory name that as an insult that is named after a rape victim? These relations were not consensual. And you're mad at your grandmother and your great-great-grandmother because they were raped. And now you've made up a term bedwench, which you're calling other black women. I'm not offended. I'm just confused. Like, I'm just, I'm not, I'm not offended. I'm just confused. So, yeah, that's pretty much what he kept calling me. And I just was like, I don't understand what that has to do with anything. Like, I 
I, just being fat is not a moral. It's not wrong. So I don't, so nothing you're saying means anything to me. Like I've let that go. I'm done. Like, I just don't get it. Like people smoke cigarettes. People are having seizures from vaping. People do Coke. People drink too much. People are anorexic. People are exercise bulimic, which I pretty much used to be. And like really doing things that are not good for their body and, and, but look cute. So you don't say anything also, but those things aren't wrong. Since when are we mad at people because they potentially might die? We're all going to die. So there's so many things I feel like I just need to address. A, number one, we're all going to die. Relax. B, number two, people's bodies look differently. Three, we're in a society now that food has a lot of hormones in it and a lot of things in it that it didn't used to that triggers certain things within, within certain human beings. And I do believe that some of us are more predisposed to overeating or not based on our chemical makeup. And then some of us are just eating a lot because we're sad. Which again, is like, why would you be mad at someone about that? It doesn't really make sense to me. So I wasn't offended. Um, I was just confused. Like I was just, I was really confused that he thought I would be insulted that someone who has an avatar as a picture is calling me names that A, is like, I'm extra large. Like anyone could see that if you look at me. And B, does that mean... Like, you live in a world where you think as a woman, I care what a stranger who's invisible with no picture thinks of my appearance. Like, it was just so jarring to encounter the fact that these people really think that this is where our self-worth derives from and that it's, like, the worst thing you can say to me. I'm trying to think what you could say to me that actually bothered me if you're a stranger. I mean, not much, to be honest. Like, not much. I guess when I... You know, if I get to be more known and I'm putting out work, like, I guess if you told me my podcast sucked, I'd be insulted. Something I've actually done, but the way I look, which is just, like, so subjective, I don't understand, like, I just was, I thought it was funny. It was so weird. And so I just was like, wow, what, what kind of, where do you live? What kind of self-hate and what kind of hate for women and what century do you live in where you thought that, I'm going to shut up or stop what I'm saying because you told me I have um, human hair on, which I don't. I don't spend my money on that. I have some, I, like I said, human hair clip-ins are not for me. It was so weird. Um, and it was just very indicative of the type of like disgust. And so, you know, Lizzo responded to him and she said, people like me because I'm talented. I give a, a one hour high energy show and, you know, keep my name out your mouth. Here's that attention that you wanted. You just got it. Um, he went on to post a video of himself going on a walk, huffing and puffing with his wife and said, so a couple years ago, you know, NDRE came out with, with a, with a, with a song that was, um, empowering, you know, empowering. And now everyone's saying Lizzo's empowering and she's wearing leotards. Um, and you know, so can I ask you a question, which one? Which one would you rather you have your daughter be like? I was like, whoa, we hit the trifecta of misogyny and patriarchy. Like, why don't you just throw in some hymen tests and we'll be great? First of all, why are you worried about your daughter's sexuality so intensely? Back the fuck up because it's very obvious you're obsessed with Lizzo. Even people that were like, hey, I kind of like like the financial like wealth gospel shit that you do. But your obsession with Lizzo is like a little strange. Like, you need to tone it down a notch. Um... 
I was just like, um, okay. I guess I just have to recognize that I'm a heathen because I didn't really realize that there was people walking around that really thought that butts were going to hurt them so badly. I didn't know that. I've gone, you know, I travel a lot, gone to places where there's been nude beaches or maybe not really nude, but topless. But it's certainly, you know, European women will tuck that tuck that bikini bottom all the way up in their booty cheeks to let their butt get a nice tan. What I, what I mean to say is I don't view the human body as evil. And I also don't view it as just sexual at all times. Like it's a body. And I just think the idea that you're worried about whether your future daughter is a Grammy Award winning millionaires who Prince invited to Paisley Park to jam session with like that's not what you will measure how proud of your daughter you are but with but like if she sports costumes that you deem as distasteful because she's chunky and has you know chunky wobbly bits hanging out that's it's just stupid like white supremacists Racism didn't happen because we were having tight leotards on that were, you know, tacky. It, that's not why certain white people don't like us. So I don't understand some black people's obsession with acting a certain way. Like they really think it's going to make everything go away. It's really sad. It's been proven not to be true. The goalposts will just get moved. I mean, I could tell you this as someone who used to tutor white students that I was in school with who would then turn around and tell me that I was lucky to get into Princeton because of affirmative action. People will move the goalposts. It doesn't matter. So I kind of feel sorry for these people. And honestly, maybe it just shows a sense of insecurity that I never had because I am not surrounded by people with fake PhDs. So I, I don't feel the need to like prove myself in this way. I don't make up Wikipedia pages about myself. Um, you and me are not the same, Dr. Boyce and Dr. Boyce shadow friend who's Dr. Boyce. So I just, I don't know, but I just, I don't know. I felt it was one of those times where I felt like I was in a parallel universe because like someone is really trying to be hurtful to you and you're laughing because I was just like, if we have established that I'm fat or you think I'm fat, it's like, yes. And what's next? What is the next thing that can be derived from that? Oh, he said, he said like, if I'm a if I'm an incel, you're an, you're a lean, attractive black woman. Again, I don't know how to tell this to people, but I must still be picky and stuck up when I'm 800 pounds. Like I don't care. There's nothing about you telling me that I'm not the type of woman that you think is attractive that is going to hurt my feelings. I just am far too stuck up for that. I don't know what to tell you. Like I have low self-esteem and I'm an elitist at the same time. It's a weird combination. It's just not going to happen. I think it's really like, I guess, okay. In all seriousness, what I'm trying to say is like a lot of my struggles are with myself and things that I grew up with, but they're not just quite literally what does random man over there think? And I didn't know that people thought that I was supposed to be I mean, I guess I did know, but it's just weird to be so directly confronted with the fact that people really think you're over here living your life for them. Like, I'm not a lean slice of turkey, and that makes me a bad person or someone whose opinion doesn't matter. It's really fucked. So anyway, I'm sure that was longer than it needed to be, but you know, you do what you have to do with that. And 
the internet fight, I mean, everyone was on my side. I got some new followers. That's the way it ended. Um, I got to put some points out there that I wanted to make. And I'm really going to keep pushing back and fighting against this idea that women's self-worth is directly uh, connected to their attractiveness, that anytime we speak out against wrongdoing, it's somehow, it's like, it can be mitigated by what we look like, which is totally unrelated. Um, I just want to keep fighting that and I will keep fighting that. And I know I found out that for now, I'm not, I'm unbothered. I don't know that I would be unbothered, but I'm unbothered. It's like, I, I think because I'm so burned out from, you know, however many years of, of trying to look a certain way that my worst fear was that I would be overweight. And now that I finally am, I, it's really not as bad as I thought. And like, I'm just like, okay, well, all the time before you were stressing out about being a size 10 and a 12, that was like thick fit was a waste of your time. Big thighs are in style. Now, you know, if I, I, everything just came later, I was, I was ahead of the curve and now I'm just like, whatever, bitch, like you'll figure it out. However, what I won't do is sit around and let people talk about people that have, you know, carrying around more, around more weight, like they're immoral. It's just weird. It's so weird. And we have so many other things to worry about in this society and to find out another reason, to find a way to be unkind to people under the guise of worrying about their health problems, which is just bullshit. Why don't you worry about your opioid addictions? Like, why don't you worry about other things that are killing people that you can't tell by looking at people? What's You can't tell by looking at anyone what's going on with them. So it's a really weird, it's like, could you imagine what if someone was railing against like autoimmune diseases? Well, you can't help that you might say, but I mean, it's just that we are humans and the human body is fragile and something's going to take it down one day, be it old age or something else. So it's really weird. Is all this really just about like a fear of dying? Is that why people start acting like this? I don't know. I have so many thoughts, but I'd be interested to hear what you think. All right. That marks another episode of Cake and Kombucha. Thank you so much for listening you know, chill and quick. Is that what I said? Famous last words. But hey, you got now enough content for a shower and a shave. I hope this was entertaining. I hope you thought about something. I hope you maybe got mad, got ready to act on something. I hope you were amused. And I hope that maybe it helped you drive around while you're returning some Christmas presents that were ill-conceived and ill-begotten. I can't wait to bring you some new content in the 2020 it's gonna be there's a lot that's about to happen at the top of the year guys so i mean yeah we have nothing but more excitement to look forward to hopefully getting rid of a despotic ruler somewhere in that fracas and i can't wait to cover it for you and bring you more weekly news and giggles. All right. It's been a fun year with you so far. Thank you for your support. More content coming to you soon. And I will catch you on the flip side. Cake and Kombucha is produced and hosted by actress, writer, and singer Kelechi Azia. It features music by the talented Melanie J.B. Charles. If you like what you hear, check out MelanieJBCharles.com.